Welcome to The Labor of Love, a podcast about marriage, family, and making peace with the people we live with. I'm Lori Leibovich, editor of realsimple.com. There's no question that it's important to be open and honest with your partner, especially when it comes to issues like your health, your job, your goals, and your aspirations. But that doesn't mean we don't keep things to ourselves. In fact, a 2014 survey conducted by a UK family law firm found that one in five people are keeping a major secret from their spouse or partner. When I read that statistic, I kind of stopped in my tracks. A major secret. And I started to think, what could that major secret count as? Was it infidelity? Was it financial things? Was it things about people's pasts? And it got me thinking about whether it's possible to be in an intimate relationship and still keep secrets. Is it okay? Is honesty always the best policy? Or are there ever times when it's better to keep something a secret? Here today to talk to me about this and to wrestle with these questions is one of my favorite therapists, B. Arthur, who is a regular guest on The Labor of Love. B. is a licensed mental health counselor and a co-host and co-producer of the amazingly titled YouTube show, You're Not Crazy. <laughs> Hi, B. Hi, Lori. Glad to be back. Okay, so you were also startled by this statistic that one in five people are keeping a major secret from their spouse. Did you think it was a, that's a lot of people, or did you think that was not so many people? I actually thought, I'm surprised that they got that number out of people because people are good about lying about secrets. But I actually, I'm, you know, I was a couples therapist and a domestic violence counselor for years. And I saw, I thought it would be like three out of five <laughs> people are keeping a secret from their partners. That sounds more accurate. Yeah. B, before we get into other people's questions, I want to hear from you, from your clinical experience and personal experience, what you consider to be, quote, safe secrets in a relationship. Safe secrets. Some people will tell you there's no such thing as a safe secret and you should tell everything no matter what. But I do think that safe secrets are something that don't negatively impact your relationship. I think that's something that it's good to keep to yourself just for the sake of avoiding a conflict. And also just that like keeps you as a person happy and engaged with the outside world. Because even though your home is your fortress and your partner is your ride or die, you're out there living a life being a warrior goddess every day. <laughs> and so whatever you need to do to keep you, uh, you know, in their goddess warrior level, that's okay. Keep it to yourself and then keep it moving. So that's what I think is a safe secret. Can you give some examples? I definitely think money secrets can be okay as long as it's not taking money from the, the honey pot, from the family pot. What else? Hobbies, things like that. Just I, I just feel like there, if it doesn't you mean if, if you're like a secret knitter, that's okay to keep that to yes, yourself? I actually think that's kind of exciting. Like, he has no idea what I'm knitting back here. <laughs> that's kind of sexy. He'd be like, what are you doing back there? And you're like, nothing. That is <laughs> it so, can literally be anything, something totally innocent. That is such a, like, Park Slope version of what could I be know, sexy. I have a secret knitting habit he doesn't Because know. you know what? I've wor also worked with a couple, uh, a few couples who are polyamorous, and they and they really have no secrets. And that gets old, too. How so? Because like, oh, you have an open relationship. Okay. Our rule is that we just don't bring anybody home. Okay. Oh, I assume you're out at a hotel. You know, sometimes people get turned on by that and they're kind of like, ooh, what did she do? What did it look like? And da 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 or whatever. But there really is like, there's no, it, I, my, my whole idea and motivation behind this is that as soon as you do something that's like in your mind, like the worst thing to do when you can't cross that boundary, as soon as you cross it, it's not a big deal anymore. So like the more that you like cross these boundaries and just kind of, it's just, it's kind of all open and nothing's important and nothing's meaningful and nothing's like, you know, a secret just means that you hold on to it and you take it seriously and you treat it with respect and care. You've said that faking orgasms is a safe secret. 
Yes, and here's why. A lot of people tell you not to fake orgasm because it is important that you have a healthy sexual relationship. However, I know that the first year of parenthood is the highest rate of divorce. I don't know why that's not a more widely known statistic. People say, oh, you're so in love, you have a baby, but things change a lot. First of all, like your lady parts <laughs> just can't take it. Also, your mind, no sleep. After sleep. a certain amount of no sleep, dementia starts to set in. And the man just can't relate to him. As much as he might be empathetic. And anyway, so the last thing on your mind is sex, you know, and so that happens. And so by the first time you start to have sex, it, your bodies are different. Like you've changed as people and it's hard to get back into that flow. That's a totally normal thing to happen. So if you have to fake it till you make it and just like get your mind to enjoy it before your body can relax to enjoy it, that's at least encouraging. So then you can get back to, you can't wait till it's perfect and you're super sexy again. That could be a long time. That could be a really long time. And then you're divorced (laughs) because you stopped having sex two years ago. And now let's hear from some random New Yorkers on the subject of secrets in relationships. One thing I never, I really never tell my partner is anything health related. I mean, if I have a cold, that's one thing. But what goes on in a doctor's office or with a therapist or something, I really keep between me and the doctor, me and the therapist. And I just don't think that it should be his concern what medications I'm on or what went on at my appointment today. And I just feel like I should keep that to myself because I just feel like it only affects me and it doesn't really affect him. True. She didn't say what the secret was, but yeah, if it doesn't affect the other person, then, and it's not resulting in any kind of dysfunction or affecting your relationship in a negative way, then what's the point of just adding more things? Because when you think about the couples that make it to the end, they're still curious about each other. They're still interested in each other. Like they still have things that make them independent and happy individuals outside of the relationship. And so you have to nurture the relationship you have with yourself in order to be a good, productive and contributive member of, to your own relationship. See, I was struck by this one because I felt like certainly there's no reason to reveal to your partner something that you say to your therapist. There's no reason to do a play-by-play of how that appointment went every week. But I did think, wow, if I was on a medication and my husband didn't know, to me, I just got a little neurotic thinking about it. Like, what if I had a bad reaction to Mm -hmm. that medication and he didn't even know I was taking it and and that might, you know, like there's there's something slightly to me at least dangerous about that mm-hmm. but this person what is not married she has a serious boyfriend i don't know if that makes any difference but i would personally have a hard time not telling my husband about a medicine I was taking. Well, I think there's a difference between like physiological medication and psychotropic medication. If she's on something for anxiety and she's already spoken with her physician about it, what is her boyfriend going to do or say that you know would affect how that? And also, she has a boyfriend. <laughs> He's probably not listening anyway. <laughs> He's like, "That's great, babe." <laughs> you know. <laughs> That's not giving me that poor man lots of credit. I I feel like some people feel like in order to have an open and honest and strong relationship, they have to tell somebody everything about their relationship. But we're kind of conditioned to think that that's the way we are supposed to engage with our loved ones and intimates, right? And that is one of the leading causes of divorce, expecting your partner to be absolutely everything to you, your partner, your counselor, your your advisor, your co-parent, your best friend, your the perfect lover. Like there's a reason we have friends outside of our relationships. It's really necessary to nurture the relationship you have with yourself and get those things from different places. It makes you a better, well-rounded person. I've been struck sometimes just on this note where I've been in a group situation with close girlfriends and my husband, and I'll look around the table and I'll realize, huh, there's things they know about me, meaning my girlfriends. My husband has no idea. It actually doesn't make me feel guilty. It makes me feel in, so it makes me feel like 
I have so much richness in my life, actually, that I have all these people that I share different things with. Yes. And even that idea that, you know, our partner should be all these things says, that's a new idea. Like in the 40s and 50s, guys barely talked. I mean, guys didn't know when their wives pooped. Guys didn't know when their wives had their periods, you know. It was all a secret. And they stayed, guess what? They stayed together forever. (laughs) And they also didn't know when their wives had babies sometimes. They They weren't even there. They weren't there. (laughs) They got called in when the baby was clean and pretty and they they got to smoke a cigar. (laughs) Yeah. Put their kids' lives at risk. That's funny. (laughs) Okay, let's listen to our next guest. Something I keep from my girlfriend is the number of people I've slept with um, and fear that it may be too many people or that it's too little and it could be embarrassing. Oh, it makes me sad that somebody's embarrassed about their sexual history. That, that, that's what I hear more than anything. I think whenever there's, so when I'm saying honesty is overrated in some cases and you don't feel, shouldn't feel obligated to tell anything, I'm mostly talking about the motivation behind keeping it a secret. I feel like the kind of best kind of safe secrets are the ones that you didn't even think to tell someone because it's not a big deal and it doesn't affect or impact your relationship in a negative way. Obviously, there are things that we need to know, but I don't see why I need to know that my, I already know that my partner's not a virgin and has had sex before he was with me. And sex isn't the most important thing and it shouldn't be the most important thing about your relationship. So the fact that there's shame attached to that or there should be any embarrassment that you've, I mean, been with other people. We're not 16. It's There should be no expectation that this would be your first relationship. Does the fact that someone is curious to know in and of itself, do you think problematic? I think the question that's asked is more about the asker than it does about the person answering the question. You need to know this information for what reason? Probably because of some attitudes that you have about sex. I don't know very many people in their 30s who would be that concerned. But if you're 20s and you're early and you're still figuring it out and it's something that's really important to you and you hold sacred, then of course they get it. And that's a different conversation. But that's the thing. You have to go to really meet the person where they actually are and what's behind the question. That's the kind of thing where you can do work and it doesn't become a problem. Here's another one. Okay. So my boyfriend and I have been, we dated since high school, so we've been on again and off again. And one time in college when we were off again, it was when Tinder was starting to get really big. So, um, and it was, we were broken up for maybe like two weeks. So I was like, maybe I'll go on Tinder. I didn't really do anything. I didn't really meet up any with anyone, but I had a profile and I was talking to people. And since getting back together, I really haven't discovered, or I haven't told him that I had a Tinder profile because I don't really know how he'd feel about it. And I really don't feel like it's um, like a huge part of our relationship now. I would marry that girl. <laughs> this is a very considerate and thoughtful partner. Yeah, being, making a Tinder profile while you're on a break. Ross got somebody pregnant when he was, him and Rachel were on a break, you know? <laughs> so the fact that she's even like, oh, I guess I should know. If you didn't meet anybody, if you didn't have sex, if you didn't get pregnant. But I like the fact that she's thinking about it. That's really nice. I thought that was really sweet, too. And yeah. I thought, why in the world would you tell him? Like, that's not even a question. Like, you weren't even together, even if it was just a two-week break, like, I felt like she was being overly, almost overly considerate. Like, she doesn't owe him that. But she's young. If she was with her boyfriend since high school and Tinder just came out when she was in high school, she's very young. And the younger you are, the more sacred you hold these kind of things and the more seriously you take it, you know? So, but let's talk about whether, I mean, there are so many opportunities, as we know, on the internet to be in contact both just virtually and, you know, if you want to be um, physically, there's so many ways to connect with people for sex and companionship. Mm -hmm. What are, what do you think the parameters are around those kinds of secrets? If you're in a committed relationship and you 
are continuing to have a profile on mm. various dating apps or or Tinder, what hmm. like that that seems problematic to me. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely when it gets more complicated. I've definitely, I remember a couple that I was working with and they were engaged, this couple, and I really hope they didn't get married to be honest, but they were engaged and they had had some problems. And then there was an issue where the guy, um, they had a couple's friend, you know, just this couple they always hung out with. The guy of the couple that I was working with was talking to the girl of their mutual couple's friends. And they would just do little things like, um, you know, I guess some um, Fifty Shades of Grey had came out around that time. So they were just experimenting with these hypothetical scenarios that were S&M based. And her boyfriend, the guy who he was texting, found out and forwarded it to his fiance. And so now it's a whole big thing. And so I was like, well, you knew the reason it was good is because it was kind of a, a sneak around because you did never meet up and I'm like why do you feel like you couldn't do that with your girlfriend you know like that's really the question and he had all these excuses oh she worked at a school I didn't want anybody looking at her phone and a student being traumatized and you know maybe she wasn't into that and it's like you never asked you know and so that just shows that the communication if you feel like and I feel like that's the worst kind of cheating I feel like emotional cheating is way worse than sexual cheating sex is pedestrian you could have sex with anyone but I feel like if you have somebody outside of your relationship another woman that you can tell things that you can't tell me that is a huge problem that needs to be addressed I I think that's way worse than sexting or texting or even sex. Like that just points to a lack of intimacy and, you know, shaky ground for the relationship. Here's another one. I really like my alone time. So I don't know if it's a secret or it's a little white lie that if I feel like I need a night to myself for a weekend to myself, sometimes I'll, you know, lie to my partner and say I'm going to dinner with friends or that I'm going home for the night um, when really I'm just staying home by myself to just have some me time. I wonder why she can't tell him that. I wonder what got her to the place that she felt he would be offended. I mean, I definitely know what people who would actually would be offended, like, oh, why don't you want to hang out with me? But I think it's totally fair to say and ask for what you need Mm -hmm. in order to feel like a healthy and happy person. And I think that's a really good opportunity, like you're saying, to talk with your partner about why you need it and what you need it so that there's no assumptions. The things that most people fight about are based on assumptions and expectations, and you can't read each other's minds. So I feel like the, the things that you do need to put out there up front are things like that. Then it doesn't become an issue later. So not surprisingly, we had a couple of people talk about financial secrets. Oh, yeah. So before we get into those questions, I think that that's probably I've I've seen a lot of couples get into a lot of trouble over mm-hmm. financial infidelity. Have you know if you want to put it that way? Yeah. And honestly, in my experience, the couples that deal with money best are the ones that do have at least part of their finances that are separate, so that mm-hmm. there is a part of their finances that they have agreed will be private mm-hmm. and it really saves a lot of conflict. Yeah, yeah definitely. I mean, if I, I feel like money and our relationship to money is such a personal thing. It's born out of conditioning. It's cultural. It's based in like family experience and how your parents raised you. And that is years of mental anxiety and understanding that can't be undone or even understood by another person who was raised in a, in in another, a completely different lifestyle. So I feel like there's less stress. There's less opportunity for there to be any conflict about personal decisions that you shouldn't, you, you would normally defend, you know, and just little things like, oh, well, I like getting a pizza once a week, you know, and well, that's supposed to go to the, yeah, I mean, I just feel like, yeah, definitely. If you can keep it separate, there should be a joint account and then your own separate accounts. No problem. 
Let's listen to our money questions. I'm not always honest with my husband about how much dinners out with friends or bachelorette parties cost because he's always on my case about how much we should be saving. I think the only thing I keep from my husband is when I go shopping. We share a credit card, so he finds out eventually, but I always try to get home before him so I can put it away or put it in a different sort of bag so he doesn't notice. Sometimes I'll even pay what I have in cash at the store and then pay the rest with my credit card so it looks like I didn't spend as much. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. He sounds adorable, too. Yeah, I mean, I think that's something that eventually will have to be addressed just because he's like, why why don't you ever have any money and why do you look so nice all the time? But I feel like, you know— the best part of a partnership is the other person can make you better. If you do have too much of a loosey-goosey relationship with money, there should be somebody being like, you don't need eight pairs of shoes for one month. You just don't, you know? (laughs) And, you know, as much as it's good to do what you want and that makes you feel good and that makes you healthy, the best part of being with someone is that it makes you better because you get these things coming out and you get refined and you get to grow. So eventually they should talk about it. But if you, especially if it's cutting into his money and he doesn't have eight pairs of shoes. That is such a nice way of looking at it because when my husband points out that I don't need another, you know, dress or skirt or pair of shoes, I just get irritated. Right. And do you? Yeah. Because <laughs> I do, do you need them. Need. <laughs> Um, and I good though. Thank you. <laughs> so one thing I've struggled with, I think this is probably pretty common, is that as I mentioned before, I have a lot of very intimate relationships with the women in my life. They tell me a lot of things about their life. Sometimes I do not reveal what they've told me to my husband because it has no Scroll in, code. Yeah, no reason for him to know. There are other times, though, where I am seriously challenged by something that they have told me and I want to be a better friend mm-hmm. and I don't exactly know what to advise them. And my husband is incredibly smart that way. Mm. And there have been times where I've told him about a struggle that another person in our life is having. And I always feel slightly guilty because I'm processing it with him. Mm. Is that is that ever okay? I mean, he's discreet. Yeah, I mean, as long as they're discreet, people don't know this, but that's exactly how therapists get trained. (laughs) We are bound by confidentiality to the client, obviously outside of the room. But when you're first getting your hours, you literally take what's in your case notes to your supervisor who has more experience and who has more clinical training and say, this is what's going on. I don't know how to address this. And they're able to point you. That's the best part about being able to process it with, as you say, what you said it beautifully, because as you're probably too close to the situation sometimes. And that's why people go to a therapist. When you remove the logic and you come out of the feelings fog, you can kind of see things for the way they are and understand them better. And you can give better and more informed information without, because it's all the time. Like if you're your girlfriend and you love her and you don't want to see her struggle, you're like, fuck that guy, dump him already, you know? And it's kind of like, well, it's it's harder than that, you know? And like, let's break it down so it doesn't just feel so reactionary. And she can make the best decision for herself, as long as he's discreet and he's not a gossip. <laughs> so there, there, I've interviewed so many people on this show who have talked about intimacy in terms of vulnerability and how mm-hmm. being vulnerable with the pe- person or pe- people that you're intimate with is one real stepping stone to having, you know, a true and solid relationship. So I buy that. And yeah. I think that there's a lot to that, but I'm wondering what, I think that prevent, I think that's a lot of pressure, as you were saying. I think that being completely open with someone, even if that's your life partner, can be scary because you never know whether that person, you, if you tell them everything, they might 
dis- be disappointed in you. They might be critical. They might be surprised. They might not like it. So I know this is a little bit vague, but how do you navigate that? I mean, should ultimately, should we all be in relationships where we feel completely comfortable telling our partner absolutely everything about ourselves? Or is that... I think it's a really a trust issue, and people have varying understanding of what trust is and what it looks like. Um, I really feel strongly, especially I'm a therapist, and I tend to get close to people very quickly because I'm often vulnerable, and people, as soon as you tell them you're a therapist, they feel vulnerable and they tell you everything. Um, and it's only hurt me a couple of times, probably in like professional situations where you don't need to tell people things that they don't need to know. But I feel like within a romantic relationship, especially if you're built, you have a family in your building and you have kids and things like that, it should really be in your house, y'all against the world. It, you should feel no safer with anybody else in this world. Like you can tell them anything. And if you can't, then there's a trust issue. If you do need those boundaries, for example, around money, or there's just something that y'all are incompatible on and, and you just need to avoid it so y'all can stay together and let's like work together well, because that's all it is. I feel like run, being married is like a running a very boring nonprofit <laughs> business. Y'all just have to work together. And that just, might be the best description of it, marriage it really, I've ever heard. Because I have a company and it's, and it's more than marriage when you work with someone every day. <laughs> And you're just like, can we just get this done? You know, you just have to be on the same page and you have to be able to like, first of all, trust and more than love is respect. I always say love people. I've met people madly in love who break up and get divorced and fiery divorce. Respect keeps you from being disrespectful. Respect keeps you from doing low blows. Respect keeps you from not doing unsafe secrets and things like that. And so, yeah, I think when you respect and trust somebody with your whole heart and mind and life, then that's how you go. Isn't that beautiful? God. I could just weep. Where are the violins? <laughs> B, as always, it was fantastic to talk to you. Thank you so much, Lori. I love talking with you. B. Arthur is a licensed mental health therapist and the co-host and co-producer of the YouTube show, You're Not Crazy. The YouTube hit. We hit over a million views. I meant to say the YouTube phenomenon. You <laughs> You're not crazy. Check it out. It's awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for joining me today on The Labor of Love. As always, if you'd like to be a guest on our show or if there's a topic you'd like us to cover in a future episode, please email us at tlolpodcast at gmail.com. I'd like to thank our producer, Kristen Meinzer, and our editor, Tim Einenkel. If you enjoyed the episode, please review and subscribe on iTunes, where you'll also find more podcasts from Real Simple. You can subscribe to The Labor of Love at itunes.com slash panoply or at panoply.fm. I'm Lori Leibovich, and I'll see you next time on The Labor of Love.